And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop. Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Resistance. In this episode, when hotshot racer Marcus Speedstar arrives on the Colossus, Yeager is confronted by a painful past he's kept hidden. There will be... You know what, you guys? Not everything has to be at a level of a Death Star to be good and dramatic. Y'all are just mean to Resistance. We're talking about the Platform Classic this week. How you doing, Chris? Doing good. I'm doing good, too, except for it's starting to get spring, so my sinuses are slowly dying a slow death for the next, like, two months. I'm ready for spring. We're starting to melt out of our snow a little bit now. See, we never got, like, to, like, win too much wintering levels. Like, we had, like, the tiniest of dustings, but we've actually had a pretty mild winter, and I'm just like, fuck you, global warming. We actually had an acceptable (laughs) winter snow just in the last few weeks where I'm, I was... Happy enough with it, you know, that, like, you walk outside and everything's still white for for a couple weeks, you know. Uh, I like it when it gets white, but I like I don't like it when it gets white and then it just melts away and then you have white and then you have, like, muddy, patchy snow after that. That's just no fun. I like, like, Christmas time, ho-ho-ho snow all through the winter and then... The closest... Then we when got... it melts away, it's spring. You know, when it melts away, then like ooh, little daffodils start coming up and stuff like that. But we never get that clear of a distinction here in Rochester anymore. I uh, we got to the point of the closest we got was I was sitting on the phone with uh, Megan and it had been raining and I looked outside and I was like, there's some really thick raindrops. And I kind of looked again. and I was like, hey, it's snowing. And then 20 minutes we, later, it was done. We had <laughs> we had May snow last year. Oh, I remember that. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, happens here quite often. Well, but it's weird. I, it could, yeah, it's almost almost March. So. Mhm. Well, are you ready to get into this episode? I am. What do like you think of episode. it? I like I, this episode. I I like this episode too. Um, I'll talk about it when we get into Act Three. But this episode actually helped me reconfigure how I think about Star Wars. And it it just kind of proved to me how much um, Resistance is like a living Star Wars novel. And I, I mean that in the way of Star Wars novels are very small and personal, and they don't change the fabric of the universe. It's just yeah. a personal story. And that's what Resistance is. It's a yeah, living Star I, I, Wars I, novel. I, I have more familiarity with the comics, but I think of stuff like this and like I think of like um 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 solo. Even though solo is more solo and even Rogue One, like they remind me of like reading a solid, really good Star Wars comic, you know? Where yeah. it's sort of where it's sort of 
like you know rogue one has is definitely more intertwined with the storyline going on but it's all it's also sort of like a working within established stuff sort of thing which the comics do and the books do a lot yeah so yeah yeah so yeah i could totally see what you're you mean by that and this was just kind of like the first episode that made me kind of think about that. So I'll talk about it more. I, but I, yeah, I'll have I'll have notes about why. Yeah, I had specific reasons why I really like this episode that are sort here. of maybe a lot, maybe along that lines or sort of similar lines. So um, you ready? <coughs> I am ready. The Platform Classic is the ninth episode of Star Wars Resistance, and it aired on November 25th, 2018. It was written by Kevin Burke and Chris Doc Wyatt and directed by Stuart Lee. Some extra information for you. Marcus Speedstar is voiced by Keston John. His other works include the upcoming Avatar movies. He's slated for like the next four or something. Um, the Good Place. And he's also the voice of Hordak, Rung Hordak, and Horde Prime in Shira and the Princesses of Power. I will say, as we were talking beforehand, Megan just texted me and she just finished the show. And I'm super excited for her. Um, yeah. And we're going to definitely be getting to uh, Shira one day and Hope Makes Chris watch cartoons. Uh, so be on lookout for that because I have a lot of thoughts on She-Ra and so when I saw that it was Keston John who voices my favorite character I was just like <gasps> and then I'll court, the whole time I was like listening out for her I was like where's your Hordak voice and he Keston John's amazing he's such a good range because it doesn't sound anything like his other characters and now I'm ranting because I just love that show so much it anyway was, it was a very restrained like I don't know what his real speaking voice is, but it didn't sound like somebody like creating a voice for a character. It sounded like a very down to earth acting characterization. You know what I mean? It's and it's a little bit higher pitched to make him sound a little bit younger. Like he definitely sounds younger than Yeager. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, gosh, I would. Tyson John is someone I would love to talk to one day. Um. Anyway, Griff Halloran. Ah, I dropped the thing. Come back here. All right. Griff Halloran is voiced by Stephen Stanton, who is a Lucasfilm regular voice actor. He is the voice of Tarkin, AP5, and Chris's personal favorite character, Colonel Mieber Gascon from the Clone Wars droid arc. Like the sunny day oh, in the yeah. void. Gascon. Wax <laughs> uh, on. This episode was originally scripted to have Han Solo in it, but it was decided to focus on Jarek Yeager's character, so Marcus Speedstar was scripted instead. Um, earlier versions of the story had Griff personally challenging Marcus while at ANCs to deepen the stakes of the race. Oplock and Niku are both the same species, as they're both Nikto, but Oplock is considered a mountain Nikto, which is why his color is different and he doesn't have the horns that Niku has. The Guavian Death King makes their return from their first appearance in The Force Awakens. And finally, it was intentional to have visual contrast between Marcus and Yeager, um, their speeders, including their ships, to emphasize the rift between the two. While Marcus has a flashy racing ship, Yeager's ship was designed to feel like a fighter that hailed from the original trilogy era. Its design invoked a combination of the Star Wars original trilogy ships, as well as the Bell X-1, the ship that Ye that the ship in which Chuck Yeager broke the sound barrier with. And Chuck Yeager is actually the inspira inspiration for Yeager's last name. So, so Yoda. Uh, how are you? Hi, Han. Uh, not bad. 
I, th- I feel like I just woke you up. I'm sorry. Are you okay? Yoda thought liquor was the inspiration for Jaeger's last name. Oh, see, it's Jaeger, not Jaeger. Jaeger. Though I do have a really, really good... Sounds like Igor. I do have a really good shot recipe called um, the Loch Ness Monster that includes Jaeger, and it's delicious. Oh. I haven't made one from it forever. I should, I should do that at some point. I could go for a Loch Ness Monster. Anyway, so Yoda, this episode's all about racing. They were racing ships, and they were all like, phew, phew, phew. And I was wondering, have you ever raced anything? You know, you're 600 years old. You had to do some fun stuff when you were a teenager, you know, 500 Yoda. years ago. Yoda has had to race home before, but now that Yoda lives in a swamp, you eh, don't have to get home so fast. Just... <laughs> Storms are coming, Yoda! <laughs> <laughs> Storms coming, Yoda! But Yo- Yoda's pod race, eh, not so good. But yoga, y- yoga. <laughs> yoga. Yoda was legendary ostrich racer. Mm. Oh, that makes sense because you had your battle llama in the Tartakovsky. Yeah, llamas don't like to race. Llama like to fight. But ostriches run. Run like the wind with Yoda, they will. Yes. They would run so fast that you would just sweat with moisture. Oh, very moist. Yoda's... Moisture would mingle with the ostrich sweat. Yes. Do birds sweat? Melt lovely. Yes, ostriches very sweaty birds. Yes. Not as sweaty as emus, but very birds moist are... bird. Oh, interesting. So apparently, space ostriches sweat because real he, like earth birds can't sweat. Earth birds. You know. Earth? Don't eh, think about it, whatever. Yoda. He's seeing through the Matrix, Chris. Get him. <laughs> he started seeing through the curtain of the Matrix. <laughs> we had to stop him before it was too late. <laughs> no, really, I didn't know that birds couldn't sweat. I just learned a thing. I had to Google it. Birds are also trying to keep their cool, but when they don't, but they don't sweat like humans or even pant like dogs. Instead, they have a variety of unique adaptations to help beat the heat, like bird baths. Cute. Moist. Hot. <laughs> Hot, moist birds. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna take a drink of my drink. Mm. All right, are you ready for Act One? It's going to be my restaurant someday. Hot, moist birds. <laughs> I, I, ooh, ooh, let's see. Hot, moist birds. Uh, I don't see a restaurant. That, ooh. Nothing came up on Google. Rest, hot, right, moist bird. Right rest. On, I'll get right on that. Dirty Bird, Nashville Hot Chicken, Bird House, spelled H-A-U-S, Hot Angry Bird Hot Chick, uh, the yeah, Angry no, Bird nobody Chicken. Nobody wants to put the word moist into their, into their, uh, into their, uh, restaurant name. Yeah, I think you're good. I don't, like, nothing came up on Google with the name Hot Moist Birds. Come on into Moisture Hut. You should. The moistest food around. People you... do like their 
certain foods moist, but they just don't want it called moist. If you open a cat cafe, would it be hot, moist ki- uh, cats? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that would be what I would name it. <laughs> but well, that's, more that's or less, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, you probably couldn't get away with, you know, pussy. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be WAP. It would be MAP. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Act One. Anyway. <laughs> Act One. <laughs> Act One. We're about playing the moist out, folks. Moist. Oh, no. we're ha- I'm having quite a fun time with this moist thing. <laughs> if my younger sister was here, she'd just be hating every second. But the she's moist- not. So. Moistest podcast on earth, ladies and gentlemen. change that as from classiest to moistest. Why can't we be both? Why can't we be both? The classiest and moistest podcast on earth. When we first, let me know when you first edit that, Um, and I know we'll forget, but <laughs> so I don't even know why I'm saying this, but I'll try and remember to put that in our Twitter handle. Our Excellent. Twitter well, I will he- I will, re- will be reminded of it because I'll have to edit this and I'll hear it and go like, oh yes, hey ho. Well, we did do that, so. Anyway, Act One. Act One. We open with the entire Colossus in an excited tizzy. People are visiting the platforms. The vendors are making money. It's all because there is the biggest race of the year on the Colossus tomorrow. The Platform Classic, which is the title of the episode, so you know that's what the plot's going to be about. Tam comes in there and sits down Kazaniku, and she is all like... Listen up, troops! Tomorrow will be a day of fun. It will be a day of delight. But we must get to tomorrow and finish all of our jobs first. We must save all fun for tomorrow and be super focused today. This is now a no-fun zone for... Kaz, Kaz, why are you smiling at me? Why You're ruining my speech. Why are you smiling so big? And Kaz is just like, I have a secret, but I can't tell. And he doesn't spill the beans, but he did hear of a rumor that might make Yeager very happy. And no one buys that because no one in the room has ever seen Yeager happy. Yeager's happiness is like the cryptid of the platform. Speaking of Yeager, he comes in and says that he'll be back in a few minutes because Captain Best Dad Doza wants to see him. And Kaz begs, super begs to go with him. And he's just smiling like a loon, so Kaz pretty much volunteers everyone to go with Yeager. And they get to Doza's office, and Captain Dozer is like, There he is! There's Yeager! Yeager, my old friend! You look great! Lose some weight, you're just the best! You know, we're just like the bestest best friend, you know, my best friend other than my wife. But she's not here, so if my wife's not here, that makes you my automatic best friend until she comes back in season two, right? right? I've lost my spot. Where am I? Yeager's my best friend. There I am. And Yeager turns around and sees that Kaz is all smiling wide and he knows that something suspicious is going on. So he very cautiously asks what Doza wants. And Doza wants him to race in the platform classic. Yeager's like, I have a lot of past stuff and trauma wrapped up in my racing career, so I'm gonna have to pass. And Doza's like, well, what if I cut open that trauma and just spill it out in the entire episode for everyone to see? Right, Marcus? And the door gets kicked in, and we're introduced to Marcus Speedstar, who swaggers down the stairs. 
And all the teenagers go wild, like screaming giddy front pans. Like they're shaking each other like, ah! Yeager does not look amused at all because Marcus is his brother. And now all the teenagers are shocked. And Cass is like, Yeager, I feel so betrayed. You know I come from wealth and rolling with celebrities is my thing. How could you never tell me you're related to a superstar? Well, everything is awkward as Yeager just, you know, glares down Marcus and Marcus is just like awkwardly smiling at each other. So Yo Doza gets in there like, so we're just going to have a nice time, right? Right, everyone? Yes? Okay, let's have a fun race. And Yeager is like, yeah, the answer's still no. I'm 100% definitely not dealing with my brother in any way, shape, or form. See you in another decade, speed star. And Yeager shoulders himself out of the room and Marcus looks sad. And Kaz, being Kaz, picks up the wrong time to say, Marcus, I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> so Tam drags him out of the room. I must say I've noticed something with resistance. I'm interrupting. Their acts are chopped up really weird. Their first acts have been dropping about nine minutes instead of the normal seven. Clone Wars and Rebels would, were just cut up like the seven, seven, and seven, which is a 21 minute show. So far I've noticed that resistance has cut up nine, I think nine, six, and five. <laughs> Which makes the act one something really... like that. Sometimes they've hit it around seven or eight, but mostly, uh, like mostly, I'm going like, wait, isn't this? Aren't we a little more than a one third away from the show? And then like, boom, 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 there's a commercial break, and I'm like, oh, there it is. Okay, yeah, yeah, but it makes for really long act ones. <laughs> yes, they are. They are. I've noticed that. I've noticed that. So, um, back in the garage, all the teenagers are like, Yeager. Yeager, you're related to a famous person. You're like 20% cooler now. That's a My Little Pony joke. And Yeager is just trying to get back to work and grumpily working. But the door gets kicked in again, and Marcus and his friend Oplock come in. And Oplock and Niku hit it off really fast with Niku translating for him, and Oplock is precious. <laughs> just like Niku, they're both best boys. And Yeager wants nothing to do with any of this, but Marcus just wants to talk to his brother. Something bad happened in the past, and Marcus, Marcus wants to fix it. Yeager points out that Oplock is still with Marcus, and that's because Oplock forgave Marcus for the thing that happened. And Yeager's like, good for Oplock, because I don't forgive you for the thing. And Marcus sees that he's not getting anywhere and leaves with his crew. Yeager is pissed because apparently Kaz told Marcus where the garage was, but it's not really clear about what Yeager was blaming Kaz for in this scene. I, I honestly still don't know. Anyway, the teenagers are going, Wow, Yeager, we honestly didn't know that you felt this way about your brother and that you're scared to race him. We're really sorry. You don't have to face your fears. And Yeager's like, I'm not scared of him. Shut up. He's not better than me. I'm going to challenge him right now and prove you guys all wrong because he's going to back right down. That'll show him. You show you whippersnappers, you little shavers. Get out of my face. Where's my brother? And Yeager storms out of the hangar where the kids are still really just confused about all of this. We go to Aunt Z's cantina. Insert obligatory statement that Aunt Z is the best here. And Marcus is being doted on by all the background characters. And they part their ways and there's the Guavian Death King moseying into the cantina, cantina, and Marcus is like, Oh no! They caught up to us! Oplock, look cute and not suspicious! And Oplock's like, I am precious! 
and the Guavians come over and they're like, Oh, good evening, Marcus, my dear boy. We are the Guavian Death Gang, and I do believe that you disrupted one of our ships back on the Rishi Moon. Be a dear and do pay us back our 20,000 credits, <laughs> or else we're going to have to harm you with our big laser guns, what, what? So the reason I wrote it that way, because I was going to actually write them British for the rest of the episode, and then they didn't have, like, any more conversations. <laughs> so that's why that was British. And they don't speak like that again, because they never talk. <laughs> oh, that gag went nowhere. Shut up! And I was so proud of my, like, British Guavians that I was like, I don't want to change it. It's going to be here. <laughs> Marcus says that, well, he, uh, that's why he's here, because he wants to win the race and pay them back. So they tape Oplock, who makes the saddest and scaredest whining noises when they grab him and hold him hostage. And he can get him back when he gets the money. And Marcus is like, don't worry, who could possibly beat me? And that's when Yeager, like his little brother, kicks in the door and goes, I'm going to race you, you asshole, and you're going to lose, bitch. But Marcus now has someone he cares about in great danger, and he can't back down. So Anzi smacks the bar, ignoring the man that just got dragged away by a death gang, and starts taking bets. And Yeager is like, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 this is getting out of my control. I'm not actually going to race, I was just being blustery and show doing a show of force thing. And Kaz just is standing there smiling, and Kaz is like, hey Yeager, remember episode one when you wouldn't let me out of my race? Karma's a bitch, old man. What did you think of Act 1? I pulled a muscle on my side. Ow! Ow! Oh, just How did now? I do that? Huh? Just now? Yeah, ow. How did I do that? I was just reading and talking. Ow. Anyway, what did you think of Act 1? Welcome to getting old. I knew uh, Jaeger's last name was not going to hold as Speedstar. I'm like, there's no way he's Jaeger's Speedstar. Yeah, he's oh yeah. He's too, he's got too serious of a backstory. Um, his last his last name is Yeager. His first name is Jarek. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but like you know, I mean, but if his last name was Speedstar, Yeager could have been his middle name or just you know the name of one of his ships or something. Or, but um, no, no, his name is Jarek Yeager. Um, one thing that that. I know that they live sort of on a space, you know, frontier, but Doza is very, Doza, like, is like, hey, First Order, don't go shooting at my, the people on my station. You know, he makes the First Order, like, you know, play nice when they show up there. The Guavians just show up with walking around with their guns flailing around and kidnapping people. I would have played this I I would have played this story out differently than it was. They played it out way more sim- simply, which is, you know, probably for the better, but I would have I would have made it a little little yeah, more complicated, but I'll get into that how I would do that later, you know, Because with, that was actually act. like the meat of the story. The meat story was the bro- the, fi- the 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 feud uh between yes. Marcus, yeah. Yes. But I I I I I would have had it play out different differently but the but as it is like if this if i was a kid this would be an awesome like just first introduction to sort of visual storytelling so so i like that that it played out 
a little little simpler with the story. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I I I I just rem- I just was thinking like yeah, Doza probably wouldn't be too happy with people, you know, especially especially a, the celebrity that they have at the station. You know, celebrity racer. He's a racer too. He's not just like it's not just like this is stay out well for one thing, you can't tell Doza to stay out of your business. It doesn't involve you if it's on his station. But but at the other time, he's a the, here's a here's like a superstar racer on their station, and he's got people running around, you know, kidnapping <coughs> kidnapping their their best friend to hold them hostage for the you know you can't yeah. have that. Nobody's ever going to come and race at your, you know, race. And that's part of your station too, is the races. I'm sure it's actually probably a very like important part of. We, that. we know that it's a very important part yeah. because Doza flat out says that to Yeager in the opening yeah. in like the opening scene. So like narratively, you know, just in, in the, you know, the, and, and, and I'll, and I'll get into in part two. But like I, I, it's it's not something that's a nitpick for me. It's not something I'm going to strike against the plot wise of it. But I just I just know that if I was writing this, I would be like, ah, you know, I don't think Doza would go for kidnapping this guy's, you know, head crewman or what, you know, whatever his function would be, sidekick or. Yeah, I mean, I I agree, and I see what you're saying. Um, I, I mean, it's all just plot devices, you know. Yeah, I, 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 I just have, I, I, I just when I was watching the race, I had an idea for a twist in it that I knew wasn't going to play out because I've seen the the series before and I would have remembered if that was how it played. I rem, I, I pretty much remember this up. Ep- this is one of the episodes I remember from the first time I saw it, and that, I'll get into why for the third act too. Mm-hmm. Or is it the second act? No, yeah, I'll, in in the next part, I got it. I got those notes in the next part. But that's pretty much all I got for the 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 first first part of this. I like that. I like that Jaeger's brother is not like. Um, uh, I the 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 two things I like about this is Kaz is Kaz runs into more of his more problems, uh, but they're of a completely different kind, and his like fall of like is is humorous and it's also like very realistic you know it's it's a more like you know like oh i think you know where you feel like you're good you're really like doing something that this person's gonna enjoy and it turns out to be just the opposite you know exactly the opposite of it and you're just sitting there like wait what (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, oh okay i i didn't know what part you were talking yeah, about like, yeah, yeah that yeah, was yeah. sort of that was sort yeah. of kaz's prep but it was a new kind of pratfall so it's a you know it's we're we're moving it into and it's and it's more and it's more endearing because it's not something that he really like screwed up because of its selfishness it was just pure naivety he had the best intentions mm-hmm. and it, you know he was basically just like Oh boy, this is gonna be so cool to see this moment and no. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. And um <clears throat> yeah, I thought that was just a nice nice little addition to the show. Yeah, I was um I was thinking about the platform classic and just where it is in this point in the season versus what happens after this. Because really after this episode is when 
the first order starts slowly moving in, like kind of like baby step by baby step. Yeah. So I have to think that this is Doza's last ditch effort to try and make it without having to turn to the first order. And yeah. which is why he wants it to succeed so badly. And like, just on the, on the surface, it just seems like, oh, this, you know, we were having some trying times, but like in the whole of the entire story, like this is, this is Doza's like yeah. last stand. Yeah. To he's try and make he's it thinking to himself. Yeah. If I have Yeager Ye- Ye- and his brother racing here, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna solve a lot of my problems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but of course we know it doesn't um, because the pirates in the first order are in Cahuas, which is the piece of the puzzle he doesn't have. Um, but I, I just have to give it to him of just like, at least he's trying everything until he has no other options left. Yeah. Um, and the only other two notes are, I, I just like Niku and Oplock. I think they're adorable together. And Niku, it, it just, it just goes to Niku. Like he just accepts everyone and loves everyone. And he's so open to everybody. And I like that about him as he's just like, Oh, hello, new person. And like, Oh, you're, I speak your language. Hi, let's be friends. <laughs> And they're both adorable, and I love them. Um, and the only other note I have is, go with the nice death gang is hands down the best line of this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just don't worry, Oplock, just go with the nice death gang. I love that line. But that's I, all I You know, I'm glad they, I, I like, when you were saying that Han Solo is going to be in this episode, I'm I'm sort of glad they didn't. I'm sort yeah. of glad that, that they kept it, you know, just these these characters so but that that line go with the nice nice death gang sounds like it might have been a line for han solo i could hear han solo saying that so mm-hmm. maybe they ported over a few of han solo's good lines to him i mean that sounds like something he would say to chewy and we know that chewy yes. and han tangled with the guavian death gang yes. in the force awakens so this yeah, this period. could have very easily yes been, yeah uh, yeah uh, a Han Solo episode, which would actually make sense in a way because we know that yeah. Yeager flew in the Battle of Jakku. We knew he was in the and, Rebellion, so he probably does know Han. And Han uh, Solo's and Han Solo's running around the fringes now at this point. He's yeah. a smuggler again, and he's more like you know Hondo or Lando, all the the guys with O at the end of their names, all the pi- the O name <laughs> Solo, pirates. Solo, Hondo, Lando. It's it's yeah. a requirement. The you pirate must thing. O. Yeah, it's a smuggler thing. I guess they, they looked at Yeager and they're like, you don't have an O at the end of your yeah. name. You can't play with us. And Yeager O is sounds like an opera. <laughs> Yeager O. The space barber of Seville. <laughs> Act two. Or would it be the barber of space Seville? Either way. Yes, I'm ready for Act two, obviously. <laughs> I'm All saying right. dumb things. <laughs> All right, Act two. <clears throat> Outside of Aunt Z's, Marcus tries to explain that the Guavians have Oplock, but Yeager doesn't want to hear another word. He shoves Kaz off on Marcus, and they head out. He has a race to get ready for. In Marcus's garage, Kaz quickly proves that he is not Yeager's best mechanic, but at least he's the top three, which is another really funny joke. But Kaz is still in awe of Marcus's piloting abilities. They start talking about Yeager's past and why he started racing. Because the New Republic was woefully unprepared to lead, they completely demil- they completely downsized their military, leaving pilots without jobs. So Yeager and Marcus raced to make money. Yeager raced for his family, and Marcus wanted fame. 
And so one race, he put hyperfuel in his racer. And Kaz is like, oh, I learned from that bitch Rucklin in episode three how dangerous that is. And Marcus, in that race, clipped Yeager's ship and sent the entire race out of control. But he doesn't go into the details of what the bad thing was. So Kaz asks about the Guavians, and Marcus is like, I just needed some credits, and I didn't pay them back yet. There were plenty of races across the galaxy, but he wanted to see Yeager, which is why he came here. He didn't want to pass up probably the only chance to see his brother again. Back with Team Fireball, Niku and Tam are idolizing Yeager's true racer, and it's beautiful, and they're in Yeager's secret garage, and Tam is like, so I know I got my girlfriend Sonara last episode, but I am very much in love with this ship right here. This ship is gorgeous. I love it. This is now the Tam. It's beautiful. And Niku, because he is the best boy, doesn't understand why Marcus and Yeager aren't speaking. And Yeager says that brothers are supposed to be there for each other, but Marcus wasn't there for him after the thing. And Niku is sad and leaves. On the morning of the big race, Bucket is adorably excited about flying again. And Kaz comes into Yeager's office, only knowing one side of the story, and says that Yeager should forgive his brother over the thing. And Yeager's like, that's the hard no there, Ghost Rider. I'm not going to forgive him for the thing. And Kaz tries to explain the Guavian situa situation, and Yeager is cold and flat out says that that is not his concern. And Kaz looked a little shot, but there's no time for chit-chatting. It's time for the race to begin. Again, the acts are cut weirdly where act one was almost ten minutes long, and this act was like six. Mini act. It was a mini act, but this but is actually, this is a, This is where I had the most of my notes. <laughs> this is this is where a light, light yeah, this a light went off in my head on this up on this on this part. Uh, and that was this is, what, this is what this is this is what uh, ding. This is what I thought um, the show was gonna be. This this I I like this is what I was thinking would be like your minted you know your your mold of all the elements of this show. Like I I I really thought like racing was gonna be not the focus of every episode. But, a, you know, a much bigger part of... Remember, we were talking about, it. ooh, this is going to be kind of a sports show or a racing show. Yeah, and you're it gonna was have heavily all these promoted to be a racing Racers show. and all these characters. who, And then at the beginning, it's like, look, we got to see all the racers and we got to see them all in here do it. You know, we got to see TIE Fighter guy eject out of his later on. Not to get ahead, but, um, you know, this was what I thought was going to be the prototypical episode and i think as such it didn't become the prototypical as episode but if it did it's the per it's like kind of perfection of it because it's got all it's got all the elements of that like what i was describing a few episodes back of like the show where the whole framework is like an old 50s movie where it's around the racetrack you know we're all the in the soda shop and uh and you know all the drama gets played out in the in a race you know and the races are really exciting and they have neat you know it's almost like quidditch they have neat little you know it's 
it's cool that they fly through the rings and it's very much you know there's a the aesthetic of pod racing to it if you've ever played any of the pod racing games and stuff or seen sports you know in the background in the star other movies and the tv shows yeah yeah you know the way they present it and stuff and it's very exciting and it, and it has an analog to real sports and stuff and i don't even like that stuff but it's exciting if it's spaceships for me and i thought this was good like yeager ship looks like uh, a matchbox which is not a dig on it as a matter of fact it's really cool it's got the colors sort of of a matchbox car which i think was it you know exciting about the original the racers that it's or, you know the um rebel ships that it's sort of evoking and uh you know you have this you have this framework to put visual storytelling of a of a race but you know you've got you know yeager and his yeager and his brother with history and the brother has a debt that he's got to pay off with the thing but yeager is also like the big brother who who's who's you know just the 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 real like genius pilot and you've got I love, like, like you said, I love the bucket, like, buck. There, you've got that, that bucket is so, <laughs> so excited because he's in the Beatles and the band is get the band is getting back together, you know, you know, here we go, you know, this is, this is, you know, this is, you know, Yeager's a great mechanic, but here is, you know, Yeager is, is, you know, Beethoven going like, hey, I got a new symphony here, you know, although we don't know it, you know. We see all the characters who do know, who do have all the backstory with Yeager and know the backstory. It's very exciting. It's it's got all these elements at play, and it also leans into the atmosphere of being on, you know, this 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 giant, you know, gas station. But everybody's, you know, it's got a festive air to it you know here's here's where the meat and potatoes of everything is going on it's the races this is where everybody gets excited where everything sort of goes on hold and and here we go so i i you know when i first saw this i was like this is what resistance is going to be like and i it's it's not that i'm disappointed that it wasn't because it didn't go in bad directions but I just thought this was what they were. This is I'm like this is what they were thinking of, and it's a very it's a very George Lucas sort of thing too. So mm-hmm. I just naturally thought this was sort of what we were gonna um, settle into, and we didn't. There's there's still some in the in the future, and I'm just gonna set up my last note. Will be setting up <clears throat> my twist of how I would do the story. But in this part of the story, after Yeager finds out that that, you know, there's somebody's life riding on the line and he's like, I don't care. I would have him on the slide, go to Doza and go like, hey, there's, you know, there's a there's no time. The race is about to start. He immediately gets in the ship for the race. Mm, he could still radio over to him. I would have him or tell somebody, go tell Doza, Kaz, go tell Doza. You gotta go tell Doza that this is that this is going on, and uh, and I would just have that piece of information released. I... You don't have to show it playing out, but I would have that piece of information released, 
it could I, be played out, but I would, but I'll, I'll, I'll save that for Act Three. See, I wouldn't, and that's because the whole point of this episode is trauma and guilt, and pain. Yeah, and, no, 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 yeah. yeah like, yeah, and I, that's what makes it so realistic, because him doing that, the like side hero thing would be like the Star Wars answer. But that's why Resistance is so good, is because yeah. this this episode is just drenched in Yeager's trauma and his refusal to talk talk to Marcus. Because and, you don't know the twist yet. You yeah. don't know what my twist is, because I have that all. I have that. I I, I have that factored into my twist. Well, this is my all. note. This is my note now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see me? I'm the captain now. <laughs> what's that? What's that movie where the guy's like, "I'm the captain now"? I, um, I can't remember, but it's yeah, it's about no, the, the pirates. Yeah, take it yeah. with um, with um, what's his name in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Batman um, and Michael Keaton. But like that's that's what this episode that's what makes this episode so good because that moment is so cold where because it's clear that Yeager knows Oplock because he's like oh I see Oplock is still with you after everything so he's known Oplock for years and to have him be so cold that Oplock's in danger like well that's, yeah because he's like well screw Oplock if he's still with you then I don't care and, and that's why that moment is so cold and that's why this episode is good and it's a good it's a good tactic to keep the drama going because his of his refusal to talk to Marcus um because if if he had just you know talked to Marcus about the Guavians like this entire episode is resolved quickly well we we we, we you know I'm, it's, I'm it's not a gonna, story element not to know? go not I don't I'm not gonna go forward but when we find out why but you think like and no, I'm just. Talk, I'm, just like I'm, not, I'm not talking to dispute your note. I'm just saying my note. This is a story no, no, element I'm, that I, I really I'm, like about the episode. No, no, I'm just trying to sort yeah, yeah. of like, um, but like that's why I like that his brother was is is sort of un, not under. He's underplayed for a cartoon. He's not super cocky or abrasive or anything. He's he's really there to make good with his brother, and it's more you know like traditional TV acting than like a cartoon cartoon acting because it's but the, yeah when when Yeager is like yeah okay whatever you that's when you start to realize because Yeager's not a petty guy he's not he's yeah. he's grumpy but he's not petty and he's not like he's not yeah tri he's not trifling <laughs> mm -hmm. so if if he's willing to just be like yeah if he's with you then that's your problem then it must then that gives you that plants in your head that whatever happened was pretty bad. And you also yeah. know, you know, that he's without wife and kid and it didn't sound like a divorce, you know, and, or, or anything like that. So yeah, it's, it's, you, you get, as soon as you see that, you're like, wow, you know, what, a, yeah. wow, this is serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just wanted, uh, most of my notes are just kind of like just noting things. Um, I liked the little bit of sequel trilogy world building because Marcus flat out says that the military was downside after defeating the Empire. And without a military job, Marcus and Yeager had to race for a living and Yeager wanted to support his family. So I liked that because there's a lot of problems with the military being downsized, which we see in the sequel trilogy, which is how the First Order was able mm -hmm. to come back so fast. So I like that little piece of world building. Um, so looking at Yeager's story as a whole, 
And especially where he is at the end of season one, where he's like finally fighting the First Order with Kaz. You know, he starts off episode one flat out telling Poe, he's like, I don't want to be a part of your resistance. I'll let the kids stay here, but I'm not helping him and I'm not fighting with him. I'm just going to let him stay here. And we're starting to see him loosen up a bit. We've got a little bit of that in, I believe, Signal from Sector 6, where he chose to fly, you know, Kaz out to Poe. He didn't participate past that, but he at least, you know, helped him with that little baby step. And then facing Marcus is a really good step in his character journey because he starts now opening up more and it's getting him back in the action. Like he's getting back into the action of flying again, which is something he used to do in the rebellion. So this is another big step for him to start moving forward to get back into the rebellion, which we see at the end of season one. And you see, no matter how much of a grump he is, he really wants to fly. He really wants he to. He really does. He really wants to the to race again. I yeah, mean, it's... he's the one that starts the like. I th- I think he's the one that starts the bantering because he was just like, oh, I'm surprised your droids with you. And Marcus is like, buckets old. <laughs> well, the, and and there's also there's also like you know I mean he's mad at his brother and he blames his brother. There's also a part of him that's blaming himself too. That's not letting him do that thing that he loves doing because it resulted in such a tragic, you know, and even even if it was his brother's fault or he blames his brother, there's some aspect of it, I'm sure, of himself that's that's blaming himself, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, For even doing the thing that he loved. Yeah. Um, my next kind of like just little note is I really enjoy Michael Tavera's soundtrack in this episode. This episode especially, because usually yeah. it's very lighthearted and jaunty, but there's some, like, really emotional ballads throughout this episode, especially in this act. And the one well, that stuck very, out to very me... very light at the beginning, but it's... Yeah. it's he, he, uh, and, and the more... The longer I can't get a hold of the music, the more I notice how good it is while I'm watching yeah. episodes. And I was noticing how no. the music went from... From jolly and jaunty to to you know very very serious and yeah the the one that and stuck back out to, and back to jo- jolly and jaunty and serious back and forth when you got to the race yeah uh, like the one the the one that stuck out to me was in this act when it was going back and forth between like Marcus and Kaz to Yeager and Niku and then back to Marcus and Kaz. It was the Yeager and Niku that went into the final Marcus and Kaz. And the music that played there actually evoked a very Princess Mononoke feel to me, which I know you haven't seen that movie, so that's not helpful to you, but anybody who has seen Princess Mononoke, when you have those like sweeping shots of like Ashitaka on his antelope, like, riding across the wilderness, and they're almost like these, like, borderline, like, melancholy ballads. It has a lot of, like, that very similar emotion, where it sounded, like, very grand, but on a very personal level, and that's what Michael Tavera's soundtrack really emoted from me in this episode, and I I liked that, because e- you're right, even at the end, like, when Yeager and, and Marcus, I was listening to the music, and when they were just hugging it out, the music is happy, but it's not as jaunty as it was at the beginning, because they're not in that jaunty place. Like, Michael Tavera's soundtrack is so good, and I yeah. hate that we don't have it, so... Yeah, it's not a, a it's that's what I love about Star Wars is they don't do just a generic soundtrack that can be, you know, 
pin you can do that with almost anything you can take a soundtrack that's just a piece of music and edit it in with it and have it work really well this stuff is keyed to the action and keyed to the emotional like star wars music has always been and it, and it, and it gives it, it it really goes an extra mile to drawing you into the world you know yeah and, and I think that, that's something that Kevin Kiner did so well with both Clone Wars and Rebels. And uh, Michael Tavera is just, like, absolutely taking up Kevin Kiner's reins very easily. Um, and it's he's just, he's matching him, like, song for song. And it's it's really great. Um, the only other note I have is just, I just wanted to talk about Doza for half a second, because this act made me really start thinking about Doza in the first act. Because Doza's just like, let's have this race, brother versus brother. Um... Because Marcus says that he's been looking for Yeager for years, which means that Marcus has not been that well, none of that, which means that Yeager has not been easy to find for Marcus. So since Joseph sat up this race, was he the one that called Marcus? Because we know he's he's in this position where he needs money for better reinforcements against the pirates in the first order. So did he call Marcus? And I asked that because Dozer and Yeager have known each other a long time because Yeager used to, we know in act season two, Yeager used to fight with Vanessa, who is Dozer's wife. No. And so, I totally, and so I, I, totally, I have to wonder, to, I'm going to finish my question first. Um, they've known each other a very long time. So it makes me wonder if Dozer even knows if Marcus caused the death of Yeager's family. So I, 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 I had a lot of questions about like Doza's like influence I, in this. I think everybody on that level might know because it would be something like it would be part of the. I'm I'm guessing that somehow in the crash his family was watching and got killed or something. It's I, very I, vague. Yeah, it sounds as like to what happens. You really get the feeling that they were killed, which really would make things intense with between him and his brother. It wouldn't be like. It wouldn't be a stand and a Ford thing. <laughs> it would be a lot more intense than that. Yeah. But um, because the way they say I it is I, that I he put the hyperfuel put... in his he put the hyperfuel in his ship and his ship clipped clipped Yeager and sent the entire race out of control. And then Yeager said, "My family died in that." So you can only imagine that one of the ships crashed into the stands, which is horrific. Yeah, 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 and and uh. I, uh, I, I, I sort of assumed that it was Doza who told, told him that Yeager was there because yeah. he knew it would bring him there. And that's, that's why he's like, ah, oh, you know, I found you. It wasn't as much as he found him as it was like, like, Hey, if you come race here, you know, your brother's here, you know, just, uh, putting that out there. That's sort of what I. I thought that would be a Dozum that would be, you know, a guy in Doza's moves position, especially if he's trying to avoid the intent, you know, the lesser of two evils. Yeah. <laughs> and like, uh, I, I have two thoughts about that. Cause on one hand, I feel like maybe he knew that Marcus was Yeager's brother, but he didn't know the cause of Yeager's family's death. But the other thought I I had about that is, Doza's just that desperate. No, I think Doza's like, gray enough to <laughs> to do that, you know? Uh, yeah, For I that. think Doza's really, truly that desperate, where he's just like, I'm sorry, Yeager, we need the money. I have to put the hundreds of people off the platform before my good friend. Yeah, and worse comes to worse, Yeager won't do it, but he still has his brother there doing the race. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. 
Absolutely. I, I, it just, it made, like, after, this is the first time I was like, I'm questioning Doza a lot in this episode, because that's kind of shitty, but I think he's just that desperate. I, I can't see him not knowing about how Yeager's family died. I just, I can't see that, um, because he's known Yeager a long time, and I have, I think Yeager's family died after the rebellion, so, I don't know, I, I have to, I just can't see it, so. Anyway, Act 3. I'm ready for it. You get to learn my twist. I've been excited to hear this twist. Oh, oh excuse me. I'll take another drink. Ah. Alright, Act 3. Now I'm all burpy. Ow. Oh, and they're all like tiny burps that don't do much relief. They're just kind of like, me. Alright, anyway, Act 3. It's time for the race to begin. And all the racers are at the starting gates. And they're off! Yeager starts getting into the mix as he and Marcus battle it out for the lead. And there's some smack-talking as Yeager is needling at Marcus, and vice versa. Take a sip. Do you ever drink water and then you inhale and your throat is immediately dry again? <sighs> Much better. But oh no! Apparently they can shoot each other in this race! Or at least Griff Halloran can! Because Griff Halloran, who is clearly the most interesting of the aces, with the most underused potential, is firing at people. But nobody else is firing at anybody else, so I guess it's just a Griff thing. And they enter phase two of the race, where they have to climb towards the edge of space. Which means there is a climb of emotional storytelling. Yeager is done smack talking. He is now normal talking about the thing as their racers move higher and higher in the air. And Marcus says that he pushed him away. Yeager pushed him away. And then they move through the final racing ring, which completely shuts down their engines and they fall back to the planet. And they fall in silence before Marcus can say his piece about the thing in its tense. Griff catches up with Marcus as he tries to shove him out of the way from hitting the reignition racing the reignition racing ring, which is very difficult to say, which will turn their engines back on. But Marcus has some fancy flying moves and sends Griff spiraling, sp spinning out of contention. And ju it's just now him and Yeager in the lead. Marcus says that the people he cares for will die if he doesn't win this race. And we finally find out what the thing is. When Marcus cheated in the past race and caused the big crash, it turns out that one of the ships probably hit the stands and killed Giger's family who had been watching the race, which is just brutal. Marcus says that he spent years hunting Giger down to say he's sorry and he loved their family too. He was so ashamed of what happened when Jarek needed him the most that he couldn't face his brother. And then Giger vanished and Marcus had to live with the guilt. Yeager sees that Marcus is telling the truth and pulls away at the last minute so Marcus can win and save Oplock. And the race is over and Marcus is the victor. With the race one, with the race one, Marcus is able to settle his debts with the Guavians and freeze Oplock. And the Guavians are like, oh, what, what? Thank you for the credits. Goodbye. There you go. I got to make them British one more time. And Marcus has the audacity to ask if Oplock was treated okay by a group of people with the words death gang in their name. Oplock was not okay. He had a horrible time. Anyway, back in the hangar. It's time for Marcus and his crew to head out of there. Yeager and Jarek hug, hug it out. But not all the way. Yeager isn't okay with what happened, and he might not ever be okay one day. But with that, 
at least there is a start, and Marcus and his crew flies away. Yeager thanks Kaz for pushing him to at least talk with Marcus and start on that road to forgiveness. And Kaz is like, Dear Diary, my Colossus dad loves me, and it was a very good day. The end. What'd you think of Act 3? What's your twist? What's a twist? The twist, okay. Well, I'll get my notes out of the side. There's some droid side. Kaz commits droid aside. Oh, yeah, because he accidentally slaps the droid. Comedy the droid. droid murder. <laughs> I love all their faces. Uh, it's not murder. It's, I was going to say it's homicide, but it's not homicide because it's a droid aside. I, I just I love homie. that moment because all their faces are just like, oh, shit. And they're like, oh, oh, it's gone. Oh. <laughs> and then you see it still falling when you go down to the Chelidae, the turtle folk on below. And you can still see the droid falling yeah. as the yeah, ships yeah. fly by. Yeah, yeah, it just reminds you, that, yeah, reminds you what happened to it. It's always um, good just to see the turtle folk, even if it's for like half a second. Um, This is a great format for their their you know they're resolving their conflict it's classic star wars visual storytelling i have a slight problem with there's a little like i don't know how to get around it but there's a little just as a purist there's a little too much like dialogue between the two of them on the radio to, to but there's so much visual stuff going along parallel with it that it's kind of actually great but I thought it would have been funny, even though I know they were probably on a private channel between the two of them. It would have been really funny if the other races I were like, uh, can you guys have, like do your family <laughs> thing somewhere else, please? We're I trying to have a race too. here. You know? I just imagine like Freya and Tora just being like, that gossip was so or, good. Or the two of yeah, Yeah, exactly. That I thought that. And then I thought, then again, these two guys are like, it's like Simon. It's like listening to Simon and Garfunkel argue backstage or something that everybody might just be like, just sort of like, you know, side eyeing a little bit, but being like, ah, I want to hear the dirt between the Yeager brothers. I, I was uh, kind of joking earlier when I was talking about like Yeager's happiness is a cryptid on the platform, but I honestly do think that Yeager probably is a little bit of a mysterious figure on the platform. So I could see the others just being like, yeah. oh my God, Yeager backstory. Him, <laughs> somebody saying somebody and somebody else going like, shut up, let him talk. This is my new favorite show. Shut up. Yeah, exactly. This is like reality, the reality show. Okay. So my twist, this is how I would have d- done it differently. All right. Hit me. Okay. I would have had the race play out. I would have had, like Yeager said, go like Captain Doza. They're holding the, you know, just as something that people would have sort of forgot about. And I would have had the race play out because, okay, I'm, I'm not saying they should have done it differently because actually this is kind of perfect for a show like this. We, we, you know, as as a as a bastard, you know, I have to forget a few things like, you know, for someone like Yeager to to throw a race like that, it's very dangerous. It it, it ruins a lot of things. Bets. It it calls into question like, you know, did did you just throw that? Who you're working for? I bet on you, and you just threw that that race you know what i mean a lot of people way too hard (laughs) 
Right, but that's in reality. That's what would happen. They'd be like, "That's like they'd be like, are you corrupt? You know, or what's going on? I I just lost a lot of money on you. You were winning that race, and then you just let your brother win. You know, that's a little sketchy there, Yeager. You know, so what I would have done in this is I would have okay, the race goes just like even the conversation between them plays out the same, and Yeager whoops him. And uh, at the same time, Yeager's whoop, you know, Yeager looks down, he sees a little beep and then he, he, he whoops, he, he whoops his brother in the race and wins him, wins him, beats him in the race. And that little beep means that, that um, Doza and his security guards have stormed in and his buddy's all right. You know, they've grabbed you know his buddy. What's interesting about that is that they... They actually do in season two when the Colossus is now planet hopping. They run into the Guavian Death Gang again. Like that's a season two episode where they have to re-escape the Guavians because they I, well, accidentally venture into their land. So that could be like an interesting setup for a season two episode. The the um there there's two possible twists. This is what I would have done as my real twist and then a twisty twist one. The real twist would have been, you know, Jaeger, Jaeger beats him, but, you know, they get his friend back, so his friend doesn't get executed. But Jaeger basically saves his friend, wins the race, pays off the Guavians as a gesture. So he has an actual gesture with his brother, but then the end can still play out. We're not good, but, you know, he made a gesture towards his brother and said, someday we're going to be good. And, you know showed that like you know i'm still but at the same time like i'm the better pod or the better racer which is actually also a gesture towards his brother because it's like you know it's sort of like going back to that rivalry that they had you know which is something he didn't even want to have so he'd have two little gestures towards his brother his um his brother would get to get his debt paid off and you know start fr- it would be a sort of starting fresh thing and you know and Yeager would have been able to win and take some take some steps towards you know um stepping back towards his brother and racing and and you know it that all goes on behind the scenes Twist, twisty twist two is that Toradoza wins the race. <laughs> beats both of them and pays off the debt because her dad's like, look, pay off the debt with these guys because then we get this guy coming back to race and he's a big, you know, it's worth 20,000 credits. You get to keep the other, you know, you can buy video games with the other 80,000 credits, you know, or whatever. Put it towards your, your space college fund or whatever they do with their winnings. <laughs> But that 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 would have been the other twisty twist because remember she's the hotshot, she's the established hotshot before that, and you see her, you see her consistently, you know, scooting up from like consistently in third place, you know. So I would have just done her like they 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 were so concentrated on herself that she just like woo whips in and and wins it. And it would be what nobody that would be the twisty twist that nobody expects and stuff. And it would sort of but like it doesn't allow Yeager to make uh, a uh, 
uh, gesture, although he could make the same gesture he made in this one, but it wouldn't allow him to make the same gesture. But that's that's all my notes. That's how I would have that's how I would have been. in. that's what I would have suggested in the writer's room to, to end this. I just like the idea of just towards being like, no, it's my money. Fuck you all. <laughs> Tora just be like, no, I'm going no, to space. No, you got to wait till you're space 18. <laughs> you're space teen. I just, uh, yeah, that's just a funny idea. Or, or even, it'd be even worse if it was hype. Because hype actually would be like, no, fuck you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hype would, Katora would Hype would have been them. just like, suck it. I'd be, uh, I'd be the three best racers in the world right now. Yep. I think, uh, actually... Taurus the up and coming one, but Hype was uh, the best one on the racer in episode one, because that's why Kaz picked Tora, because uh, they were like, that's Hype Faison, he's the best racer on the platform, and he's like, I want the 60-year-old girl, please. <laughs> so. Then, oh, yeah, well, yeah, okay, she was just lethal. Yeah, <laughs> was yeah. She, she was the up and coming uh, prodigy, so. Um, so, um. My my short note is just I just love the race. It's gorgeous. That one shot of like when Yeager when they're about to do the fall where he kind of falls and you see the world spinning outside of his ship because he's the fixed object and you see just the world spinning yeah. outside of him and you see the light just moving in the ship. Um, God, that entire sequence is gorgeous. Everything about this race is 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 the best yes. animated sequence of the show. The whole idea that you have to go up through a final loop that that kills your engines like with a like an electromagnetic pulse or something, and then you have to float down through another one in order to reignite your engine is a great. It's it's psychotic, but it's perfect for something like this. It's totally. It reminds me of the pod racing games that you would play. You had to do certain things like that every once in a while that were just like. Here's the part where you either die or you finish the race. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. It's, it, it's, I get yeah, half, but, half a moment of, like, why is Doza letting his daughter do this? <laughs> um, if it's that dangerous. Um, but I, I really only have, like, two big notes for this section. Um, <clears throat> one was what I was saying at the top of the show, which is this episode made me really – change how I thought about Star Wars. And this, it, it was something I was kind of like always aware about, like in the back of my mind, like it's why I kind of always liked Clone Wars and Rebels. But it made me actually really stop and realize that to have good Star Wars, not everything has to be at the level of a Death Star at all times. Stories no. can have smaller stakes. Stories can be very personal, and it's just as good and well written as the run at the Death Star, you know. And and it this wasn't helped me the run really... at the, De- the run at the Death Star was cool in the movies, but that wasn't the reason that people liked it. It was a little moment. It was like, so like the Cantina, the t- Cantina, like I cannot un- undersell how much or oversell how much people went and had never seen anything like the star Wars cantina. And that was just, you know, the reason they liked it, it was just cause it was a bar, but it was, you know, they, it was just the, an idea that nobody had really plumbed before. Like, Oh, this is like a, you know, French foreign legion bar where people from all country or a airport bar, except it's aliens, you know, 
that was the idea that captured people's imaginations rather than they had a planet destroyed. That was just a thing to drive the story. Yeah. It's, it's stuff. It's it, it literally the pod race, like the essence of the pod race is like the essence of George Lucas's like that. The thing that pushed it over the edge with appeal, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like the, the reason I, I bring this up is that, Resistance got still gets so much flack. This the show is treated very unfairly, and that's because at people was expecting, and I've talked about it on the show before, so I won't go back into it. But people was expecting this show to act like Clone Wars and Rebels, and it's just not. And this episode proved the importance of small stakes and proved the importance of personal stories. You know, this episode works because of Yeager's story, and it's tragic and it's heartbreaking and it's really well written. And it made me just really go back and appreciate Clone Wars and Rebels for a much different reason. And it completely changed how I I saw Star Wars. And it made me realize um, that Resistance works like the Star Wars novels, like we were saying. You know, if you take a novel, I'm just going to throw one out there, like Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. Master and Apprentice is about a single mission of Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. It doesn't change the fabric of the universe. It doesn't change the canon. It's just a personal story about Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, and they go to this planet, and they have an adventures. Yeah. Lost Star is the story of Sienna and Thane and their lives throughout the original trilogy. Um, gosh, let me... What's another one? Um, just so I have a third example. Take the, take Thrawn Treason. I fucking hate it. Fucking hate Thrawn Treason. My least favorite Thrawn book. But it's still just a personal story about... Thrawn's battle trying to hold on to his TIE Defender project as as Krennic and Tarkin are slowly pulling it away from him. And that's what these, that is what Resistance is. It's a living Star Wars novel that's animated. It doesn't change the fabric of the universe. But why do we read the Star Wars novels? Because they're just personal stories that we connect with that we enjoy. It doesn't have to be a Death Star at every single time. We don't need to have the Siege of Mandalore in every single episode no i just i just want to walk around in that universe you know yeah i want to be there there's a reason that we like other episodes of clone wars yeah the siege of mandalore is great don't get me wrong the siege of mandalore is amazing the uh, uh um twin sons is an amazing well actually no twin sons is the sunny day of the void of rebels but uh trials of the dark saber with sabine like we, that episode is so good because it's a personal story about Sabine. There's no pl- barely any plot. The plot is train Sabine with a dark saber. That is the plot. And Resistance is that episode for two seasons. And and it's I just what I love it. I love it. It's a living Resistance is a yeah. living Star yeah, that, Wars novel. Yeah, that that episode where they're training Sabine is like Mwah. it's one of those. It's one of those Chef's things. Kiss. Yeah, everybody's just had a little taste of training before. And this one, like, did, like, I mean, this wasn't, like, a hard... You could you could do a whole series, just like a reality show, on Jedi training. And people, I would watch that shit up I'd and down. I'd watch that shit, too! Yeah, so, uh, but, um, um, you know, it, it was like a kung fu movie where they show, so, like... Usually, like, we've just picked up little edges of training in Star Wars up until now, and you didn't get to see someone doing, like, the process for a whole episode, and it was fascinating, you know, and I could have watched it for an hour or two hours, so, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I watch yeah. a whole damn fucking movie of yeah. uh, Trials of the Dark Saber. I mean, but that's that's what this episode did. Like the the platform classic really made me see for the first time how it, it started changing my idea of this this series because I came into the series expecting it to act like Clone Wars. I was expecting it to act like Rebels. And it wasn't acting like rebels. And when we were first, when I was first watching the show, I kept telling you like I'm pressured. I don't understand the show. This episode made me understand the show. Going, this is not a show about plot. It is a show about character. It's a show about the lives of these people in this one little pocket of the universe that's not affecting everything else. And that's cool because that's what the books do. You know, I'm not. And I'm not talking High Republic books. The High Republic books are doing the entire like thing. You know, like, it's it's actually, like, filling in plot and gaps of 200 years ago. If you take just, like, one of the random books... Let me... What do I got on me? Uh, take a random book. Like, what are you? Uh, that's not a good example. <laughs> no, it's more like a... It's more like a soap opera. It's a situation... It's not a situation... It's It has comedy in it, but it's not a sitcom as the, much. The, but it's the, the same sort closest, of thing. Yeah, the book I, I grabbed to me that was closest, that wasn't a High Republic book because it's not a good example, is Queen's Peril. I'm currently holding Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnson. Uh, this is a book about Amidala learning how to be a queen. And it's it's just a character study and it goes into to Phantom Menace. That's it. Like, it's no, not a plot. Is, it's a character study. This is more akin, to, is more akin to Cheers than it is to The Mandalorian. Yeah, absolutely. More akin to fran- friend, uh, like Friends than The Mandalorian, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I love this episode for that. Um, the only other note that I have, I, I have no idea how how long we're going over because we talked for like an hour beforehand. <laughs> um, I like that this is a story about grief and how different people handle grief differently. Because Yeager specifically says, like, Marcus wasn't there for me when I needed him. But Marcus was so ashamed that he had to process his own grief in a different way. And it made both of them clam up. And I, and I started thinking about Marcus's grief um, because well, it's, it's the same oh, I, I started, time. Yeah. Like, hold on, I'm going to finish my point. Um, I started thinking about Marcus's grief um, because anybody who's listened to, you know, fans of our show knows that I lost my nephew last year and I was thinking about my grief during that time, but I couldn't imagine what I would feel if I caused that, if I caused that pain, to my sister and I couldn't even just fathom what that feeling would feel like. And it just really put Marcus's story in a different place. But what's interesting is that what I really enjoy is how they both handled it. Like they really showed the shame and the, 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 how, how shamed Marcus was. And then Yeager wasn't there for him, but at the same time, because of his shame, he wasn't there for Yeager when Yeager needed him. And it's, it's just a really good story about how people handle grief differently. And I really liked that. Yeah. Well, they both ran away from it, but at the same yeah. time, like at the same time, I'm certain, you know, I think Yeager's like, he wasn't there when I needed him was also sort of like, a cop out line at that point of not telling wanting to let on and stuff because also yeah. like you know like if i were eager i would not want him there you know i would not Absolutely. i would need i would need him to be not there <laughs> for both a long of them time. had excuses and yeah, yeah yeah both of them had different excuses is because they were both not processing their grief and that i think you know i i will say i do think the ending is just like a touch like Saturday, Saturday morning cartoon where Yeager's like, thank you, Kaz, for 
starting me on to talk to my brother, and now I'm on the road to forgiveness. Like I do feel like yeah. the ending is a little well, Saturday they, they, they stepped on. They 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 they. It was going there. But they 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 stepped off with of it. They they saved it with the moment where he's like, "We're good, we're good," and that would be normally in it, Saturday morning cartoon where they would shake hands and say, "Yeah, we're good." And he's like, "No, we're not good, no, but we're you know we no. will be." And that's a more that is a you know vastly million times more realistic yeah uh, answer and healthy answer. So it was a better answer. But like that's yeah, that's usually not how that would play out in that scene. And I liked a, a lot that that's how that played out, that he was just like, yeah, no, I'm not totally ready. But yeah, it's 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 OK. It's coming. But, yeah, you know, that was, that just was to be point. honest with you, I still want to punch you in the face. So yeah. there you go. I yeah, I know all about it. I, I can identify. <laughs> yeah. I can identify. I, I, yeah, you pretty much said the rest of my note, which was, I like the open ending for that reason, too. <laughs> so, um, but that's all I had for this episode. Did you have anything else? No, I, I liked it a lot. Like, just to expand on what you just said that, yeah, there was a lot of things about this episode that I just like, like the decisions they made on how they, you know, on how they went through them. Even though I have my alternate, alternate world ending, I still like all the pretty much all the decisions they made in this episode. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a strong episode. Um, it's emotional. Um, and, and I like how they have the plot writing along the motions. Like, um, I, I would almost cut the Guavians and all of that and just make the race longer. Um, so, cause, cause I do agree that it does feel very chatty that they're going back and forth, but if the race was just like a few minutes longer then they could have expanded out that, that yeah. chattiness. So it wouldn't feel like it was so on top of each other. But I mean, gosh, this, this episode is really, really good. It's really good. So score it up for me, Chris. Um, you know, I would have thought I'm giving it an 8.5 because I want to put this on the level of like, you know, a classic sort of episode but it's not quite in my nine to ten zones but 8.5 like last week how about you i know what your score is i'm looking right at it i was still muted you're <laughs> muted <laughs> now it's me um yeah i really love this episode too i think it's well written it's deep the race is gorgeous and i love the message um this this has so much and I, I also gave an 8.5. I mean, this is this is really, really good. <laughs> really, really, really enjoyable episode, yeah. Absolutely. Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback at iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. This week, our feedback comes from the Two True Freaks Facebook page for our episode, Clone Wars, for our Clone Wars episode, Shattered. I will say um, there was one conversation I did leave out because it was talking about Mad Max. <laughs> And I was like, this yeah, yeah. is really great, but we love Eugene. Thank you for talking with Chris about Mad Max in my conversation. <laughs> so we, I saw Eugene, I promise, and I love you. Um, the line separates the conversation, just FYI. Take it away, Chris. All right. The first one comes from Chuck Rodriguez, a new listener, someone I'm Hi. familiar with because he listens to some of our other shows. I just want to, Okay, so uh, he says... I just felt I was going to say something, but then I decided to say it after. I'll let Chuck speak first. Chuck says, just finished Clone Wars. I'm halfway through Rebels currently, and I just started listening to this show. 
man, I have a long way to go. LOL. That's good. We got him hooked in for a long time and Hope says, hello, welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy it. Um, excuse you. Where is my voice? Oh, right, right. And then Hope says, hello, welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy it. That's okay. I totally left out your line where you were like, if you listen to an episode a day, you'll get done in less than a year. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and uh, what I love about Chuck Rodriguez is he doesn't just listen to a show. He posts it up on his Facebook. Oh. He amplifies. He's an amplifier. So welcome to Jay Guys and Jedi. Hi. <laughs> love, love the amplifiers. And uh, then Aaron Henley um, pipes in on the same conversation. Says one thing for sure: you'll never look at chocolate pudding the same way again. That'll make sense soon enough. Trust me. Chuck can handle it. Chuck's up for the chocolate pudding story. He's, we he's were just talking about that last he's night on. Beat it, listener. Yeah. So we were just a, talking about that last night on. Hope makes Chris watch cartoons. Was the chocolate pudding? <laughs> Chuck Rodriguez is down with the class. He's down with the class. <laughs> like Dirty Yoda would go out doing karaoke with Chuck Rodriguez. Oh, okay. The moist class. There would be some moist karaoke that night. <laughs> All right. And then the next one is from Paul C. Kelly. Ooh, yeah. Paul C. Kelly says, the anticipation. Patient oh, was great <laughs> I I watching you. this for the first time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you dropped from the call. <laughs> yeah. I did it just long enough to make Hope think something was going wrong. <laughs> I thought you dropped from the call. Now I ruined it. I'm sorry. I guess that's the point. <laughs> you knew they lived through it, but I personally did not think Rex was going to completely turn on Ahsoka, although at least he was strong enough to sense that was... What was going on to yell about fives? You think there would be more encryption on classified information? Oh, yeah. Astromech droids always get underestimated. There's a lot more meaning to this scene in Rebels after seeing this in the next episode. Oh, yeah. At that point in Rebels, Ahsoka is more like a guru informing Kanan that nothing ever worth doing is easy. Or at the end of the Clone Wars, she's just starting to begin learning that herself with the uneasy path with hardships to come in her future oh yeah oh yeah what you can't see in the document i have candy gandalf give us candy that is actually from a joke an inside joke i used to have with my mom well i still have it when we're together but um one one time she accidentally or maybe i accidentally one of us accidentally said i hog instead of i hop and so we're like the International House of Gandalf. And of so garbage. <laughs> the International House of Gar. Oh my God, that's a Murray Clawhammer commercial. The International House of Garbage. Well, but the thing is, is like, so we started jokingly calling it the Interna- International House of Gandalf. And so me and my mom would just go, Pancakes, Gandalf, give us pancakes. <laughs> oh God. So which one are we doing? I don't know. They're all Kit Kat-like. I know. If you don't know what we're doing, Chris hates American Kit Kats because he's a weirdo. 
And so our friend Gene, I want to do the salted caramel Twix. Um, our friend Gene, or not Gene, I'm so sorry, Dario. Oh my God, and my brain would just like went to a different place. You're saying, um, you're saying salted caramel? Is that what you're saying? Yep. Um, our what friend Twix? Dario, I know, but I just said Dario's name is Gene, so I just want to say our lovely, amazing, awesome, stupendous, great. Fucking heck yeah, friend Dario, who's amazing and we love him. So this is candy from all over the world to review. And today we are doing the Twix Salted Caramel Bar from I haven't England. eaten a Twix in a long time. I I go back and forth on Twix only just because sometimes the nuggets get stuck in my teeth. So sometimes I Sometimes to... they're too gooey, but they're always been like I remember for some uh, reason when we were kids, Twix were like really a big deal of great candy i i remember when i would stay at my friend will howard's house if we behaved when they took us to church um we would get twix afterwards oh my god so i was just thinking because i love salted candy i love this salted is caramel. salty salted caramel too well that's what i was saying <coughs> that's what i was saying <coughs> hold on I love salted candy. It's my favorite. Like I love salted dark chocolate. I love salted mm-hmm. caramel. And mm-hmm. I was chewing this, and I was like, I don't really taste the salt. And, and then, then I cr- I crunched one. And when I mm-hmm. crunched one, I was like, there it is. Mm. No, there's a good amount of salt in it. Like my, I might have gotten one on the first bite. Mm. I couldn't up- taste it. Enjoyed like crunched one. And when I crunched one, I was like, oh yeah. Mmm. Oh Dario. Oh, Dario. Well, I just got a crunch just now. Mm. Mm. It is sticking to my teeth a little bit. That's my one downside about Twix is they, they do get a little sticky. You, know, you got to brush your teeth after a Twix. Yeah, they get um really stuck in my teeth very easily. But, oh, Dario, this is delicious. Thank you so much. Mmm. 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 Mm. That's salt. Mmm. Give me all the salty candy. Oh, man, you can see it. If you bite in the right place, you can yes, see can. the salt in it. Mm-hmm. Good job, England. Mm. Mm. So, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com. That is our website. That's where you can find this podcast and all the rest of them. You can sign up for the RSS feeds there or at iTunes. Mm. Mm. I am now currently in the mid phases of completing our first um, of our um, After Dark series of our audio dramas involving a little bit of uh, Bigfoot, ro- Bigfoot, cryptid, sex story. What? Strictly PG thirteen. It's not graphic. <laughs> Is it like Bear? I don't know. The the novel Bear. I maybe. So I don't know. There is a novel, and I'm pulling this up because I was just just telling, like sharing this with my there friend. There are Marie. there are a lot of books about people having sex with Bigfoot. I know that. I think it's a, a Chuck Tingle topic. So, Bear, oh, you just reminded me. 
Um, Bear is a novel by Canadian author Marion Ingle, published in 1976. It won the Governor's General Literary Award the same year. It is Ingle's fifth novel and her most famous. The story, the story tells of a lonely librarian in northern Ontario who enters a sexual relationship with a bear. And the book has been called the most controversial novel ever written in Canada. You mean like a Bruin, not a gay, gay big portly gay man? No, like an actual bear, like a yeah, fucking brown a bear. I'm sure it was like on some sort of metaphorical, no, psychosexual level, and not as much as like posted... the cryptid porn of today. <laughs> like, no, like somebody posted um, a clip of it because this is how I found it. Like, I, I. I came across my feed on Twitter and somebody posted a clip of it. It's the clip of her just giving a bear a hand job. And I was just like, what is happening? Bear. It's called Paw bear. job. Huh? Paw job. Paw job. <laughs> I, it's one of the six I'm like, I'm horrified, but I kind of am intrigued, but in like a crashing train sort of intrigued. I will bet you, well, I will bet you it's probably like yeah, there's there's sexy scenes in it, but I'll bet you she wrote it like poetically and had like that. That's why it was winning like literary awards. You know, it's like they were like, "Ooh, this is daring." You know, they were, um, um, like Equus. You know, like the play Equus. Was, oh, oh yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's play. there's some Harry Potter for you. Um, mm, mm, but, that's such um, a good play. But you know, it was about guy and his horse. But like I well, killing its horses. Yeah, but you know, I mean, yeah, we're we're the oh yeah yeah. I don't think it's like that. It's it's uh it's it's more of a hippy dippy tale. But yeah, there's some bigfoot sex in there. So you guys who are into that stuff, well, come on, come and get it. I forgot I was in the middle of where can they find you, Chris? Where's my fellow monster hey, fuckers at? You can also at? find us on Facebook. Where's my fellow have... monster fuckers at? Where we have two true freaks. Hey, if the, the Bigfoot sex goes goes well, who knows what we'll do next? Maybe the Mothman will show up. Um, uh, you can also find us on Facebook, where we have the Two True Freaks podcast page and the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is sort of our hangout zone, our recreation zone. And you can also find us on Twitter. We have a Two True Freaks presence on Twitter, and that is run by the universe spanning gene gene the universe spanning machine gene 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 into infinity but that's where they can find me where can they find you hope i need to take a drink i was still eating twix while you're talking oh are you okay i'm all right um you can find me at Jayguys and Jedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Molinex on Twitter. I run a wonderful website called geekygirlexperience.com where I write all sorts of reviews and thought pieces. Um, I've been writing about the High Republic lately, but I also have written a lot about Resistance. So if you just like look up Star Wars Resistance in the search bar, you'll find all those. Um, and Chris and I actually have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. And you can follow us now on Twitter. Hope makes Chris watch cartoons has a Twitter account and it's our initials HMCWC pod, which is short for Hope makes Chris watch cartoons. And you can follow us there. And we are just about to finish Gravity Falls. Actually, we might be in the finale by the time this comes out. Um, 
we actually, yeah. What we might group? be beyond it, yeah. No, you'd be like in either like part one or part two. Um, or, or yeah, we'll be in the middle of the finale when this episode comes out, and then we're gonna be doing Avatar: The Last Airbender, which is gonna be so much fun. Looking forward um, to it. Yeah. So that's where you're gonna find me. All right, Chris. What did you have anything else about the platform classic? Nope. 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 Uh, neither do I. Pretty classic. Yeah. Well, come back next week for more Star Wars Resistance goodness and, you know, continue to ask for the music because we need the music. If anybody finds some place where the soundtrack music, get a hold of me because I need that. I need it. My long-winded reviews sound great because I, I have, certainly don't. I already have Mandalorian music and I don't have Resistance music and it ended before the Mandalorian so well they fair. they released the Mandalorian every week they didn't released release this but you know Chris has to make me sound good and you know stuff yeah that's my job because I'm long-winded and talk about ships and girlfriends and shit <laughs> so he has to make me sound good yeah so. She says about the guy who just talked about Bigfoot sex. All right, bye, everybody. Bye, hey. (laughs) Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Go home! Go home!